again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Alpharetta Tech Talk. I'm John Ray, your host, and uh, folks know we're not back in our normal studio home inside Renaissance Bank on Windward Parkway, uh, but we're looking forward to that day one day soon uh, in a in a uh, hopefully a better time. In the meantime, the folks at Renaissance are working hard on the second round PPP loans, and you will, uh, I think, be happy if you're looking for a better relationship for your business that uh, uh, you, 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 with, with a bank, you'll be happy by going to Renaissance. Uh, they don't have uh, 1-800 numbers that they force clients to call or um, – automated voices that are always answering phones. Um, they've got like normal voicemail. So, and you can call one of their local offices and talk to a real person. So that's what I suggest you do. Uh, go to renaissancebank.com, find their local office, some 200 across the South, ready to serve you and give them a call. And I think you'll find what I and a lot of the uh, folks I work with know that Renaissance is uh, big enough to serve uh, just about any need you can throw at them, small enough to do it in a personal way. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Rick Murphy. And Rick is a managing partner, CEO, and he's a transaction therapist, and we're going to talk more about what that means, uh, with Cogent Growth Partners. Rick, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. So, Let's talk about uh, you and Cogent Growth Partners, how you serve in the market out there. So we are a um, 11 years old last week, actually, buy-side uh, intermediary uh, ad, um, advisory service company in the um, IT services space. So we help IT companies uh, find and purchase other IT companies. You have... Um you are a lesson <laughs> and let's talk briefly to folks out there that uh, start a business and they have too wide of a niche. I mean, you've created a niche for yourself. Um, that's pretty unique, right? Yeah. In the beginning, when we started the company um, back in 210, um, you know, the IT space is really fragmented space. Um, IT services, you know, as everybody knows, certainly from what happened even in COVID recently is, you know, an essential industry now. It's all, I think it always has been. We always thought so. And, you know, you, your computers have to work and, and your phones has to work and everything has to connect together and your business networks and being able to have work from home was a new thing, um, you know, back uh, in the early part of last year when, when all the pandemic hit. And it just really sort of proved uh, our point originally that, you know, IT services business um, are what, you know, the glue of what keeps companies running, uh, especially nowadays and, um, has been for, I think a long time. And, um, you know, there's a lot of companies that provide these services all over the world, uh, certainly here in the United States. And, um, when I first looked at, um, the space with my first client, um, it just became readily apparent that, um, people really didn't know how to acquire companies and, and we've set out to help them. And it's worked out really well. And we can get more into that as we talk. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, IT services space in general. And uh, and then we can talk about how you address the market. So it, it's, as you say, it's a very fragmented space. Uh, I, I've heard, and this, you can correct me if I'm 
heard something wrong, but I've heard there are more IT services providers in the, in the metropolitan Atlanta area than there are Waffle Houses, um, <laughs> which is – which I think that's probably true, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, talk about this space and, and I, guess, I guess what's going on generally with, with IT services well, providers. So, so, short story, right? So mm-hmm. back in the day, decades ago – when you know when computers started first you working and you know personal computers started happening in what the early nineties um you know certainly got stronger in the mid nineties and so forth um it used to be that companies all of the computers were very complex large physically large expensive um networking was expensive and something you had to do physically um and they had internal i t people you know information technology for those of you who don't know who i t stands for um, you know, they had their own information technology groups inside their company, you know, pick a television network or an advertising agency or a law office or a CPA firm or whatever type of business, even a bakery, you know, whatever type of business you had, especially the larger the business when they started using more computers to run their businesses uh, for logistics and other things in the beginning, they had internal IT people. Mm-hmm. And as time has passed, um, it's very expensive for smaller companies, especially small businesses, you know, to have internal IP, IT people on staff is really costly, uh, especially as the equipment and the networking and so forth has gotten to be more reliable. Um, stuff doesn't break like it used to, uh, happily. Um, it, it ages out. It, 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 you need to refresh to get smarter, better chips and things like that and faster computers and so forth, but, and more storage and what have you. But because it's become so much more reliable, it sort of obsoleted the internal IT staff. Mm. So gradually through the nineties and in the first, you know, early part of this century in the, in the, in the aughts, I think people call it, um, in the first decade, it's, um, been more and more of a trend to be able to use outsourced IT service companies. And a lot of the people that were in-house IT people formed their own companies to service their former employer. That's how a lot of this started, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's just grown from there. So uh, you're not wrong. Um, depending on who you want to listen to, there's somewhere north of 30,000-ish IT services companies in the United States. All of the big cities um, have hundreds, if not thousands, um, of different sizes with different specialties to service different types of clientele. Um, you can kind of put it into, you know, the small and mid-sized business market, you know, the mid-sized business market, the enterprise business market. So you can, there's echelons of what people do and how they do it. And then the types of vendors that they use relative to what they service for their clientele. So a huge company with thousands of employees might be on an SAP system or other types of large company systems uh, where, you know, a smaller company is running QuickBooks and they're running Salesforce and, and Microsoft Outlook and things like that, but they still need to be able to protect their data. They still need to be able to have people um, work from work remotely. Um, they have their own systems and things like that. So they're still networking other things that have to happen. And then, you know, occasionally you got to buy some new stuff. So that's what the IT services space is all about. Um, and yeah, that's a general overview. So you're, you're a buy side representative for IT services firms, which means you represent IT services providers who want to buy other similar companies. That's right. Well, people used to say what I do for a living. I used to say I was in the M&A space, you know, in IT and they go, huh? 
And so I finally just started telling people, I help other, I help IT companies buy other IT companies. <laughs> they go, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, so we real, well, I realized along, you know, when we first started the company that, you know, there's business brokers that, you know, help uh, sellers uh, auction their company um, when they're ready to sell. And the broker business is, you know, industry has been around for way before I was born. Um, but the, you'd be helping a buyer be able to identify, you know, a good candidate company that's probably hopefully a good fit with their company. Um, and then help that transaction happen and get done. There's virtually nobody doing that. And, uh, we, that's what we do for a living. Um, so we really, um, you will get back into the transaction therapy part, but you know, the idea is, um, it's (laughs) acquiring a company is a faster way to grow the company if you make good decisions around why you're doing it in the first place. A lot of what we focus on is the why behind doing a transaction. A lot of people forget about that or don't even think about that until it's too late. Mm. A lot of people are focused on money. They put all the money ideas first and think about financials. We actually put opportunity first. Why should you do it at all? Why does this make sense? Why should we put these two companies together? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a great way to acquire talent. Almost every deal we do is really a talent acquisition if you think about it. You know, it's not really about the money. It's not buying a book of business and adding that to your business. You've got talented technicians, you've got talented salespeople, talented operators, network designers, all kinds of different things in terms of the, the talent pool. And all the good people are employed, right? So it's a great way to grow a business and grow the talent pool of your business and your executive suite and everything else and grow the financial part of the business as well. So we're focused on that. Mm. Uh, a lot there. Um, but one of the things that we talked about uh, before we came on the air was was how so many uh, M&A advisory firms generally, I'm, I'm talking about that go beyond your just the IT services space, but just in general, um, kind of more or less exclusively focus on sell side transactions. In other words, representing the seller. And, and why is mm-hmm. it that you see it's so important to be a representative of a buyer? So it's interesting that you said that, right? Yeah. Um, so the sell side brokerage universe has been around for a long, long time. And when you, you have a business, um, it's likely you haven't sold one before and you need help trying to figure out, you know, what to do, who to sell it to, you know, they don't have a Rolodex. I can just call up Bob and say, Hey Bob, I want to sell my company to you. Um, and brokers, you know, do a good job helping people who've decided to sell, sell their company. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that happens. It's ten, they tend to what they, they run what they call a process and they basically auction the company and put the information together for that company. It's called a, a SIM, a confidential information memorandum. They'll put together a SIM, they'll market the company to potential buyers and, and then, you know, take bids and and work through that process. Mm -hmm. So when the seller is being represented, but are you really finding the right buyer? Is there really about culture fit? Is it really about all the things that matter to your employees when they become an employee of a new company? Um, We actually work for both sides, even though the buyer pays us, the we actually do a lot of work for our we call them candidate companies um others might call them targets we think that's rude um a candidate company is really looking for a really good home for their employees they're looking for a good place for their customers so they've been working with these customers for years 
And you know, finding a good home for their customers is really important. So we think that the way we do it, uh, representing the buyers, helps us create a relationship between companies before they get married. Uh, we liken this all to sort of a marriage process. Um, before they get married, you know, you've got a chance to really work on the relationship and make sure this is a good fit. And then, you know, if all those things fall into place, usually we can make the money work as long as either side's not a little crazy, mm. which is why we get a lot of stuff done. Right. Makes sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, no, it makes perfect sense. It's it's interesting. What Though it sounds like what you've developed is relationships with buyers that are really interested in growing in a smart way um, versus uh, – and I'm, I'm not – trying to throw shade on anybody's business but you know the you know it's there's uh, by definition a sell side uh advisory firm is interested in one-off transactions um and 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 so you've got a really different model just as a business model right right so you know we uh work tend to work for and or help create serial acquirers um once you can do it successfully and have happy participants on both sides. You know, one of the things with us is when we're done with a transaction, we still know the seller really well. And we still, because they've become a seller and they were bought by our client uh, and we still know our buyer really well. And usually our buyers are trying to do another transaction. And some, I'm, we're working on a transaction right now. It's deal number 13 and deal number 14 for a client we've had for eight years now um, and help them grow their company immensely. And, and, you know, again, the people most, if not, well, not all, but certainly most of the employees of those companies are still with the company. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to grow a company one client at a time, one employee at a time, and you're never quite sure what you're going to get. Whereas if you can analyze and look at a, a potential a candidate company and see that there's a good fit, you can really, you know, exponentially grow a company much more, much more rapidly and also with much more sort of assured success. Mm. You already know that the salespeople can sell. You already know that the techs can, are good techs. You already know the customer base. Um, so it's not, you know, it's, it's trying to make that all function and, you know, give enough value to the potential seller to make them want to do a transaction happily so and, you know, and keeping enough money on the table for the buyer to make sure it's a good business decision for the buyer. That's something we share with our clients and our candidates right from our first phone call. Folks, we're chatting with Rick Murphy, and he is with uh, uh, Cogent Growth Partners. He's CEO and managing partner there, and he's also a transaction therapist. And my, I love that term. And I, I guess my next question is kind of getting into that. So talk about how you work with your uh, clients who are looking to acquire. I mean, how does that relationship unfold? And how, 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 yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, they, you know, they, they reach out to us. Uh, we do some outreach as well. looking for new clients when it's time to bring new clients on. And we actually did an onboarding call just yesterday with a new client, um, actually from Denmark, looking to grow here in the United States. Mm. And, um, you know, the idea is developing sort of the rationale with the client and what their approach to doing a transaction is. We're very careful about vetting our customers, our clients, um, you know, making sure that they have the wherewithal to do the transaction. We're not an investment banker. We don't raise money. 
We don't go out and, and look for debt money or, you know, raise equity money for our clients. We work for well-heeled clients that have their own resources or banking resources readily available. Um, strong businesses that have a strong balance sheet, um, that have a good P&L, uh, cash management, strong free cash flow on their own, um, so that they can be a viable suitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's about attitude. Um, you know, we have, you know, we want to work for intelligent people that, that care. Um, this is not just a numbers business. And, you know, again, we're, you're talking about people's lives. Um, the sellers are, you know, hopefully, um, getting enough benefit from this to be meaningful and changing their lives forward and their families' lives. And you know, we're, we're cognizant of that. And, you know, it's a really big part of it. Um, you know, most of my staff is from the IT services industry. Mm-hmm. I've got three former IT company owners on our staff. Mm. Um, so, and everybody else used to work in an IT company. So the idea being is we understand the space really well. So specializing really helps. You kind of did that before, mm-hmm. but you know, the therapy part is really saying, okay, you got to have the right attitude. You got to be nice. You know, this isn't a war. Mm. It's we liken it to a marriage process. You know, you're dating, you start dating, and you decide to get engaged. That's sort of the letter of intent. Okay, let's go. And then you know you're on your way to getting married. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's not like buying a house. So it's like, oh, you know, I got the you're, you're trying to you have this war around the price point, and and everybody's trying to beat each other up. Um, it's the opposite. Mm. Um, so the therapy part is on both sides too. So you know, obviously the sellers. Once they decide to sell or on the way to deciding to sell, so, you know, they start out as a candidate, but because they're not really ready to sell, they weren't really thinking about selling. Golly gee whiz, this seems like a really great opportunity. So, golly, you know, well, you know, I'm actually seriously considering this. So now it's getting serious. And, you know, it's the constant phone calls with all the different candidates we work with and all the different clients we work with. Um, you know, are we making the right decision? You know, are we, are we missing anything? And just working through them through all the psychological processes they go through, um, you'll finally make up their mind to do something. And even after they make up their mind, you know, along the way, different advisors and lawyers and CPAs and whoever uh, that they know are telling them all kinds of different stuff because everybody expects that you know, being in this situation creates this adversarial relationship. And we spend a lot of our time doing the opposite and making sure people understand it's not an adversarial relationship. This is not a fight. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, again, it's trying to bring people together with a common purpose. And so that's what we do for a living. And that's where the transaction therapy was born. I kept telling people, I, you know, just do, I'll do a lot of therapy work, you know, <laughs> and they laughed at us. I finally coined the term transaction therapist. Uh, it's, it's a made up term, but, uh, every time I say it to one of my candidates or one of our clients, they, they laugh pretty well. So it's intended to be lighthearted, but it's actually what we do for a living also. Well, it's a knowing laugh because it's a real issue, right? I mean, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense. Exactly. That, yeah, that it makes sense. So, oh, well, especially once you're through the process a little bit, or you've done it before, it makes a lot more sense. So, some people, you know, have maybe bought or sold a business, or you know, they bought or sold a you know a building or something like that. So they they give that knowing chuckle. Going, yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, let's talk a little bit about um. I guess how you how you walk your clients through uh that process in terms of they they identify um 
uh, uh, potential partners, we'll call them, uh, not targets. Uh, I heard what you said earlier. Uh, they identify yeah. partners, and I, I, I guess you really help with that process, right? Yeah, let me. I can walk you through that. So yeah. you know, from so we have um, we're we're ten people in six states. We've been a virtual office company since day one. We were 11 years old last week, uh, February 10th. It's our 11th anniversary. Congratulations. We've done over somewhere around 140 closed IT services transactions. Mm-hmm. Give or take one or two. Still recounting the, from the beginning. <laughs> um, and um, we've helped a lot of people doing that. And so what we do is we have a, a full-time outreach crew. We have three people in our outreach group uh, with lots of tools and and data at their disposal. Um, and they are the front tip of the spear, if you will, helping us um, contact and reach potential candidate companies. Um, and that's what I spend their day doing. Um, my two partners and myself, uh, Bruce and George, my two partners, uh, one here in Atlanta, my other partners in uh, New Jersey. Um, they, they and I, take what we call discovery calls with the candidate companies to meet and greet them mm. and talk to them and listen and see if there's an opportunity. Again, why? We're using the whole why phrase. Should we introduce you to one of our clients and vice versa? And we do the same thing with our clients. So we're, you know, that's the discovery process and meeting a company. Once we get them introduced and they start talking, um, it's really important to be able to do the initial due diligence to make intelligent decisions instead of just knee-jerking around money or EBITDA issues or what have you, which a lot of people do, first thing they think about and talk about is money and price point and multiples. And we go, you know, our motto, mantra, if you will, is opportunity first, money last. Mm. Talk about why should you do this at all. So we coach them through that process. And along the way, once they're comfortable, we have a proprietary financial modeling system. We call it our transaction analysis model. That's we've been developing since day one in the company, and it's constantly morphing and improving. Actually, got a compliment from a client the other day around that. They hadn't been with us for a while and saw the new improved model and gave us a bunch of compliments. Mm. It's kind of nice to have. Yep. Um, so we do a lot of intensive, intensive is the wrong word, um, granular due diligence and protecting the information of our candidate company. So we redact all the customer names. We redact all the employee names and information. But we know their title and what they get paid and so forth. And we know what kind of client it is and generally where they are in terms of being able to share that information early with our our, our buyer. But we're protecting the, the candidate's information from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about building trust uh, between the buyer and the seller or potential seller. And so our modeling helps us be very granular with the potential seller, our candidate company, understanding their business soup to nuts. You'll see what they look like. They get to see what they look like in the mirror. We share the model with them and walk through the whole bits and pieces of their company that they've probably never seen this way before. Um, I, well, I guarantee you they've never seen this, their company this way before. And they see that what their company looks like. And it also helps us underpin rationale for how we might structure a transaction. So it helps us deal with structure and so forth. So by the time we get to doing a letter of intent, which is really sort of that engagement um, you know, we're getting engaged to be married, and the, you know, and that's where the purchase price and the structure have to be outlined, and people need to agree to it. We've done a significant, a significant amount of due diligence before that, 
and we have a plus 90% you know, LOI to uh, close ratio as a result of that you know, preliminary work. And then once the preliminary work is done and people agreed, we actually, we're not a law firm, we're not a CPA firm, but we do and are able to draft uh, transaction paperwork. Um, each side has to get their own lawyer at that point. Uh, but we work in between the lawyers, drafting the paperwork because we know how the movie ends. We've done so many transactions in the space. We have all the IT stuff in there about the IT companies. We speak IT and and what have you, so that the transaction paperwork is salient and prescient and, and functional and and pretty neutral with a little draw to the buyer. So we're not trying to have a document or. So we actually handle that to the degree our clients let us do that, and most of them do. And then once that's done, we start doing all the actual due diligence, and that's actually where we continue to help the candidate company who's now become a seller we actually help them get through the whole process. Unlike just throwing this due diligence list, of, you know, here's a 300 point due diligence list, go get this stuff done for us. And they have a business to run. And often very few people inside their business know what's going on. So they've mm-hmm. only got a couple of people, the CEO, maybe their financial person, maybe one or two other people, you know, know what's happening um, because it's preliminary, you know, nothing's actually done yet. Um, and they still have a business to run. And so we know that. And uh, same thing with our client. They have a business to run. They can't be constantly doing all the M&A work. So we do all that grunt work, we call it, for both sides. And we actually help. We draft all the paperwork. We draft all the draft paperwork. We work on the schedules and exhibits that go with the agreements. Uh, We work through. We have a whole highly systematized process um, for tracking and project managing the transaction. um, Because at that point, it has become a transaction. So we assign a project manager. We run the whole project through steps we've done, repeatable steps we've done time and time again. That's very well oiled. We have a, we call it the machine to get it done. But also you have to be personal. You know, this is people. This is not just a, a robot. And right. so we're sensitive to people's timelines and what have you. So we're helping the candidate companies um, produce this material, which also helps us do the due diligence for our clients. We're doing double duty there. But it also helps the the now seller you know, get through the process with their, um, you know, easily. And we get a lot of people thanking us after the fact, you know, gosh, Murph, I can't imagine having done this without you. No, we did it with you this time, especially for first timers. And oftentimes, you know, the seller's going to work for the buyer. And uh, so we still know them after the fact. Um, that's where our, a lot of our good references come from. So that's make what makes us unique. Um, it's one of our value props that I think really separates us from everybody else. And uh, helps us get a lot of stuff done. So we do somewhere between a dozen and a dozen and a half deals every year. Wow. And, uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, that's um, awesome. But, Rick, what I'm hearing here yeah. that, that I find very interesting um, is that um, you're working, uh, you essentially get paid by the buyer, but you're really mm-hmm. uh, uh, in doing work on their behalf, you're doing a lot to cultivate a relationship with the seller um, and, Absolutely. and and ahead of time. And it, it really making up, making it as much about them as um, uh, to begin with, uh, certainly, um, and trying to help be of assistance to them. And by assisting them, you're much more successful in, in getting transactions completed. That's what I'm hearing. 
That's right. That's exactly right. We mm-hmm. can, we can take a, because of the way we do what we do, typically we can take a transaction from a signed letter of intent to closing eight to 10 weeks. Wow. 12 weeks on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, which if anybody listening knows what that's like, usually it's 90 days to 120 days or longer. Right. Um, and you know, some take even longer than that. Um, you know, so, you know, and doing that, it just helps everybody get back to business. I mean, it's, you know, it sounds selfish, you know, obviously we get paid quicker, but it's not about that. It's about, you know, getting the deal done so everybody can stop doing deal stuff and work on the company. Sure. Um, and the longer it drags out and it just becomes tedious and time consuming and do we really have enough time? And everybody's like, well, why am I doing this? And again, the therapy bark comes back around on that. And <laughs> so we just, you know, we know that better, uh, that and from our experience, that, you know, getting in, making the decision, making sure it's the right decision for everybody and getting it done helps everybody get back to what they're supposed to be doing every day. Right. Um, and our work product allows them to continue working on their company while it's happening. So they don't have, you know, the buyer doesn't have to be in the M&A business. We're their outsourced development group. And the seller doesn't have to be in the M&A business and hire a phalanx of people to help them because we do a lot of the grunt work for them. Sure. And like I said, we're still going to know them. So... You know, we're, we're making new friends mm. and millionaires. Right, right. Um, let's talk about, I mean, I've got one question here that I better ask because I know folks that are in this industry, they're listening to this, always have questions about this is valuations. Uh, talk about sure. valuations, how they've changed uh, here, certainly in a pandemic and what then the turmoil we've seen in the last year generally. So interesting question. Um, and if I bounce around a little bit, keep me on track. But I think that there was a lot of mm, speculation back. Let's let's flash back a year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's February last year. COVID's in the news. The pandemic starts becoming a pandemic. Um, we we honestly we had a a whole bunch of our customers calling up going, man, should we stop M&A? Should, should we just put this all on pause till everything dies down? And interestingly enough, and I may be serendipity, but um, we had already been made up our minds coming out of the previous year that we were going to put the foot, you know, put the foot on the gas of our marketing efforts and, and our outreach marketing efforts. And we had already started that in the previous November, December period. And we're hard at it in January, February. We had a bunch of stuff going on. Um, and then what happened is the IT in the IT space, I think it's true for a lot, you know, in the whole world, but specifically in the IT space, you you suddenly have companies that aren't used to working remotely, you know, outside of an office, having to move to, you know, remote workers. So all of our clientele or wannabe clientele, you were busy running around with their hair on fire, trying to do their own, you know, work from home environment. Mm -hmm. And then all of their customers, we're having the same issue. All of their customers had to rush and do a work from home environment. But interestingly enough, it involves moving the IT from one place to another and being able to do stuff remotely, securely, and all kinds of other interesting things. And do I have enough equipment to do this? And Sally doesn't have a laptop and all those kind of things, right? Um, right. So um, actually, for most of the customers that we've talked to, almost all of them actually prospered last year. Um, there was that sort of Hair on fire period, let's call it what? I guess it was probably April, May, or maybe March, April, May, sure. a little bit. Right. Um, 
everybody's really busy focused on their own business. So there was a few transactions that we were working on at the time that got pushed later, but they did happen. Um, so they did close. They just got delayed. There's a couple that probably didn't happen that could have if we had a chance to have people meet face-to-face with each other as opposed to being on Zoom calls. Right. So that probably happened for us a little bit, but we actually had a really good year uh, at the end of the year. Um, a lot of happy transactions happened. Um, and uh, the IT space, as far as we could tell, um, I think grew in an interesting way, grew you know, sort of like the Grinch grew in a bigger heart. Right? And a little bit more, less about money, a little bit more about people. Mm. Um, and you know, we've always been focused on that in our transactions. It's not about the money. It's about why. It's in the people and what's going to happen later. And how does everybody benefit from this? Sure. So that's, you know, enhanced our focus. And again, I think it just sort of proved that the IT services industry is an essential industry, as they're using the phrase now, as opposed to a nice to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody realizes that, you know, it's a must have. And um, again, helping grow companies to be bigger, better companies that can service their clients better is you know, what we do. I would love it, Rick, if you would uh, share, and you don't obviously have to use names uh, or anything, but if you would share maybe a success story, uh, a, a client you've worked with that uh, you've had a successful relationship with and how that's turned out. Gosh, there's a lot of them. Uh, if you visit our website, uh, com, <laughs> shameless self-promotion, uh, visit com. You can see some testimonials for yourself. Um, we're putting more up every day, um, uh, from the seller's perspective, as well as from the buyer's perspective. So that's the place you can go and read about them. And certainly anybody can reach me if they wish. When we'll get back to that at the end of the, at the end of the show. Sure. But, um, we just closed a transaction as the final closing, if you will, just two weeks ago for a company, uh, that's headquartered actually out of South Africa that has, uh, offices in the New York metro area. And we closed a transaction with a New York Metro, actually a Manhattan company, um, that we actually introduced to our clients over two years ago, just mm-hmm. a little bit more than two years ago. And back in two years ago, boy, they liked each other, felt good. Nobody was really sure if they wanted to do it or not. Should we move forward or not? And you know, it never kind of went to the LOI phase, but there's a lot of dating and, uh, off and on. From the time we introduced them until uh, probably September last year, so good. What eighteen months went by, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, you know they kept dating a little bit and they kept talking to each other and and they did that on their own and you know we we always spur that but you know they did a good job of just kind of keeping in touch and and uh, there was a couple inflection points. Um, one of the owners. Um, really decided he really wanted to move on and do something else. And the other owner says, I want to stay and be part of the team. And um, that's in fact what happened. Uh, we re- got the band back together as it were. I just call it August, September. And, um, and with a few fits and starts just from, you know, just the, the industry and also banking, international banking, we got in the way a little bit, but we got through that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're able to actually close that transaction just last week. And, the um, the one owner is a, a senior executive in the new company in charge of their Manhattan operation, you know, their New York metro operation. So he got the position he wanted. Um, the other owner 
both of them called to thank me personally profusely, sent me very nice emails to our staff thanking us for helping them. Mm. And that's from Miss Eller. Um, wow. Our buyers obviously also very thankful, but got a number of emails from various people on the sell side uh, thanking us profusely for helping them through the process and helping get this done. And again, you know, we get a lot of, uh, gosh, I can't imagine doing this without you comments. Wow. Um, so a really good success story. Um, you know, the company's a really good fit. All the employees are making the trip. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a really good landing spot for the owner who wanted to exit. Uh, he's thrilled. And, uh, the owner that stayed, he's just completely jacked. He's now running a much bigger business. Um, and it's really got him real excited. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about this and congratulations on that because, uh, uh, yeah, I know there are probably some M&A advisors. They, they get after the deal notes from, from parties to the transaction, but they're not ones you could read on the air. Right. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's great that you're getting, um, those kudos from, uh, uh, partners to a transaction that are across the the table from your client, uh, essentially, and that's well, so. Congratulations it's, it's, it's on that. Just underscores that this isn't a war. It's not right. supposed to be a war. People invent it that way. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of to run up their bill, right? Um, mm. If you argue about every word in a document, why are you doing that? You know, mm. um, you don't have to. Why don't you just start with a document that everybody can say yes to? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's, it's close enough for horseshoes and then work out any minutiae details. Mm-hmm. That's how we roll. And we, we try to, we try to, you know, our documentation, we try to be fairly neutral with a little draw to the buyer. If you're a golfer, you know, draw analogy, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're writing the checks. Sure. Um, but you know, we already know if we put this, this word in here, they're going to change it to that word. So why don't we just start with that word instead? Cause they mean the same thing. So who cares? Right. Um, and it's just a silly way to put that, but you know, we try to make it something where people can really go, you know, it's not too bad. Well, okay. Cause you don't want to have the document or it's just going to cost everybody a bunch of money and right. take time. Um, so that's our coaching. You know, our clients tend to listen and those are the clients we like to work with clients who don't listen. We don't work for anymore. So, you know, we, we, we very careful with who we work with. And that was part of the original comment you meant, like, how do you bring on a client? And so we just make sure that they, uh, have similar ethics and morals that we do. It's hard to argue with an 11 year track record of success. Uh, Rick Murphy with cogent growth partners. Uh, wow. This has been great. I could keep going, but, uh, uh, I think what we need to do is, uh, let people call you or get in touch if they want more information. So let's tell them how they can do that. Well, the easiest way for us is hit us at info at cogentmergers.com. If you want to email me personally, it's rick at cogentmergers.com. Uh, info goes to me and my other two partners, so we can get back to you quickly. Happy to have a chat about whatever you want to chat about. Um, you can hit our website, also at cogentmergers.com, and uh, read about, uh, see our blogs, read about what we do for a living. We've got a lot of information up there about, you know, sell side. We've got a lot of information on buy side. Um and we just like you know helping companies get together. Great work, uh, Rick Murphy, uh, with Cogent Growth Partners. Rick, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, folks. If you've got administrative tasks in your business that you need to get off your plate, that you're too busy 
working on little details that uh, uh, somebody else ought to be doing so you can work on some strategic directions for your business or work with clients, actually. Um, uh, if you need some help with bookkeeping or some other issues like that, um, here's my suggestion. Give SES Cabido over at Office Angels a call. She's got a whole team of angels that fly in, get the work done, and fly out. And they've been doing it on an, uh, for 20 years. So they a pandemic environment does not scare them. They work virtually. They've been doing that for all this time. And uh, they're terrific. And I know that personally because uh, I run my business with uh, SE and her angel's help. So uh, give her a call and explain your problem. 770-442-9246. If you're timid, go to officeangels.us and check her out first. But my suggestion is give her a call and tell her I suggested you call and explain your problem, and she'll be glad to help. SES Cabido, Office Angels, 770-442-9246. And just a quick reminder, Alpharetta Tech Talk is on all the major social media platforms. We're part of the North Fulton Business Radio X studio. North Fulton BRX is is the uh, uh, handle for all the social media platforms, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, probably some other ones I don't know about. But uh, North Fulton BRX is uh, the term there. So go check us out. Follow us. Uh, we would really appreciate it uh, if you would do that and give us a great review on your favorite podcast app. And that's be- not about us. It's about helping folks find the show so they can utilize the services of great uh, uh, folks like Rick Murphy uh, and the other guests that we've had on the show over the years. So for my guest, Rick Murphy, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Alpharetta Tech Talk.